Hello, I'm Meredith Harper. Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black, a podcast where I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. taken me four years to get her on the show, but I finally did it. Today I chat to my great friend and musical collaborator, Jasmine Fellows. Jazz is a multi-instrumentalist who I originally met through Canberra ukulele groups, but who has now become an irreplaceable member of house band The New Black and our ukulele and cello duo, Four Strings Two. We had a great time recording this. I think I cut out at least ten minutes of giggling in the edit. Please enjoy. Everybody's playing it. Ukulele player, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jasmine Fellows, ukulele player and member of that new black house band. Absolutely. So I don't really need to ask you who you are because I, I kind of know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the audience does too. They just don't necessarily have a voice. Um, so your people have probably heard your name. Those who listen to the credits have heard your name, I'm sure. And you have made a few little cameo appearances, which they may not be aware of in some of my episodes, giggling in the background. I think that was my first appearance on the show, actually, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, that was on Amber's episode when we were all staying in a, that house together, wherever it was. Oh, what's it called? Husky, uke muster. Husky, the husky uke muster. That's the one. We've been to so many, it's hard to remember. Oh, all two of them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. People have no doubt heard your name in the credits and wondering who you are. So I thought this was the time for them to know who is this Jasmine Fellows person. So let us start back at the beginning of your musical, I was going to say career, but your, your musical journey. Where did it all start? I started playing piano when I was four years old. So it goes, goes back a little while. And then I took up cello when I was eight, and I liked that better. You were only eight? Wow. Mm. It was quite a big instrument, really, for an eight-year-old. I mean, it's still quite a big instrument for me. I'm not very tall. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, seeing you carry that cello is always amusing. I presume they make sort of half-size ones like they do with violins? Yes, I started on a half-size, I think, and then moved to a three-quarter and then eventually got a full-size. Wasn't sure I'd ever get there, but I did. You did. (laughs) (laughs) From there, I took up oboe in high school. That was pretty fun. Something a bit different. That's a, yeah, that's definitely different to a cello. Mm, mm. And I've also played some bass guitar back in the high school days. So I guess I've always been a multi-instrumentalist. I've just always picked up whatever I can find and had a go at it. When did ukulele happen? Quite recently in comparison. It was actually the instrument that got me back into music after I'd had a really long break. So music was a massive part of my life at school and growing up. And even through my uni years, even though I didn't study music at university or anything like that, it was always my way of meeting people and doing something a little bit interesting as a hobby. So I played in some musicals and things like that at uni. But then I took quite a big break after that as work and 
life started getting in the way. I started playing ukulele when my, well, soon after my daughter was born. And it was because my stepdaughter, Katerina, she is a great ukulele player and singer. And it was just at a stage in her ukulele playing life where she needed a new ukulele. So ah. she's like, oh, you know, do you have some time to take me shopping for a ukulele? And, you know, it was just me and I had this new bundle of baby as well and we just packed ourselves up in a car and off we went shopping for a ukulele and we got a, a nice uh, Lanakai uh, at a local music store and I saw the way she was playing it and singing with it and it just seemed like a lot of fun. And uh, being on maternity leave and having this little baby to deal with, I thought, oh, you know, it'd be nice to play some lullabies and songs like that. So they're really good to start on as well for any instrument because, you know, simple chords, simple melodies that you know well. Uh, that's how I started playing ukulele. So most people, when they start a family, that's when they stop playing music, but it was around the other way for you. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> and your your family has been attempting to be musical, or I think. So your daughter had a go at drums. Yes. Your husband had a go at sax. Mm-hmm. Are you the only one who's still actually doing it? Yes. <laughs> you need to train them better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, music's one of those things where you can come to it for a little while and then let it go and then come back to it. And that's just a really lovely thing about it. Yeah, well, that's true. And you did it and I also did it, so I can't complain. With the family, it's just really been nice to have music and we've even done a little bit of songwriting together, things like that. Well, we're going to talk about songwriting because I know it's been uh, a focus of yours lately. So is that something you've always done? Is it something you started to do recently when, we were, um, when, when you've been doing the music lessons? It depends on how you define songwriting. And I think my attitude to this has changed over time as well. So in high school, I was in a band and we'd pulled together songs as a group. And being an instrumentalist at the time rather than a singer, I always felt like, oh, you know, I was just contributing a part to someone else's song. But really, if you're writing parts to a song, you are contributing to the songwriting. So I guess I have been songwriting for a long time. I've only realised that I've been songwriting maybe in the last year. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but um, coming back to the lesson side of things, uh, I have a really great teacher at Beck Taylor School. Her name's Sam Sly, and she's really helped me piece together how all the parts work so I can pull a whole song together by myself. Although pulling together songs with other people is great too. Collaboration is so fun. Yeah, it is fun, but it's, it's also very satisfying to, to write a whole song yourself. Now, there is a favourite song, which I know you want to you sing me, about llamas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, this is a song that I wrote. It's a collaboration uh, with my husband, James, and my daughter, Cassie. So at the previous house we lived in, uh, there was a great bathtub and, you know, with a young young kid, you plonk them in the bath and if you have a waterproof ukulele, it's quite good to strum along nearby because you're sitting there for ages watching kids get 
cleaned. Like it just takes a really long time. So there's never plenty thought of time. About that as, I'd never thought about that as a use for a waterproof ukulele. But I remember when my kids were small, yeah, how tedious it was sitting on the bath, making sure they didn't drown, saying, come on, hurry up. Yeah. So uh, this one time we were all just sitting around, the th- three of us, and James was like, oh, Cassie, you know, let's write a song about something. What do you think? What are you thinking of? She was like, oh, you know, a llama. Let's write a song about a llama. And then I just busted out some chords. So I just picked a bit of a vibe and a chord pattern. And James made up some words on the spot, chose a melody, and just kind of flowed out. And um, it's the llama song. So here it goes. Llama, llama, llama. Llama, llama, llama. Um, Jim Croft actually thinks that is the best song you've ever written, which I don't know if you should be pleased or offended by that because you've written some really good songs. But it's just, it's so cool <laughs> that it's it's simple and it's fun. It's a great song. Yeah, and I think it just shows that it doesn't have to be highbrow thing. You're right. It could just be fun and silly and capture a moment. And you know, whoever you're sharing that moment with, whether it's family or friends or community, I think you know. Songwriting can be simple, and it's a great place to start with something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good lesson for me, which I've, I've slowly been learning, is that I've always said I can't write songs because I don't know what to write about, but you don't have to have anything really to write about, do you? <laughs> There's always a cute, fluffy animal to write about, always. Besides that, you have written a lot of other songs, and something I know you've been doing in your lessons is having to write in different genres, which, which must be interesting but challenging. Yeah, I really enjoy it though, like listening out for different common aspects and particular genres and then learning how to apply them in songwriting, which is actually harder. Uh, Often, I guess, people establish their style and kind of sit within certain parameters and get familiar with that. And that's good too, but um, trying to actively replicate these elements really gives you opportunities to apply that in new and different creative ways. And I guess you can, even if you end up having a style which is very much your own, if you do mm. that along the way, you're going to take bits from all different styles and I guess make it make it something unique. Yeah, and realistically it's taught me a lot about what my style is as well and what feels authentic to me. Mm. There's things I've tried on in other genres where I'm like, ooh. <laughs> you know, it's like putting on a, a you know strange sweater or something. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, that's clothing, but I'm not sure it's very me. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one of the best ways to know what your style is is knowing what it isn't. Yes, yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, so there's a song which you and I have played together in the past. Of course, because we're sitting here on Zoom, we can't play it together. It would have been nice to do some duets mm. in this discussion, but. Um, 
So Out in the Late is one that you've played with me and also we've played with the house band, with the New Black as well. And I Mm. think you were going to have a crack at that for me today. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So this song is really about nighttime adventures with my daughter. They still happen when lockdown's not happening. Yeah. (laughs) The phrase Out in the Late actually comes from one of my daughter's friends who would say this about going out at night time. And I just thought it was such a clever turn of phrase and it really captured that exciting feeling and something a little bit naughty about being out late (laughs) as a kid. So I wanted to put it in a song and this is that song. song i really love that one and Thank you. it's a nice one too when we, when we get a few more instruments in and and yeah, and fill it out so i guess that leads me on then to talking about musical collaborations so that's something when obviously you, you said when you're at, at, at school and doing band you're playing with people but since ukulele you've started to, i guess to do that in a different way coming back to music is slightly older so tell me what that's been been like because it's been i guess as part of playing the instrument, how important has that been to you? I think it's probably the most important part to me of playing ukulele. It's such a social instrument and it's been a really great way to connect with different people and people I might not have otherwise met. I really enjoyed Loud in the Library, which was the community group that um, I was with you. Yes. And I think we'd met before that at Ukulele Republic of Canberra, but I think it was Loud in the Library when when we, I guess, connected Mm, That's right, yeah. Uh, And we wanted to play some different types of songs that aren't 
otherwise necessarily played on ukulele. So it gave us a great opportunity to pick some of the songs ourselves. And then Seasons of the Ukulele has been a really fun way of collaborating with people and a really great way to just be regularly putting stuff out. I think if it was left to me and my own devices, I'd never put anything out because it's not perfect enough for me. I'm a bit (laughs) of a perfectionist. But with a deadline, like Seasons of the Ukulele, it's great to do it. Just bung something together and get it out. And there's so much to be learned from doing that. Yeah. And the deadline also, listeners, is the reason Jazz is finally on this podcast. I've been asking her for four years. <laughs> yeah, Meredith had to threaten to finish the podcast to get me on here. <laughs> it's now or never. Time to do it. So after this, if it does does go on, I'll be like, oh, okay, she just told me that to, to get me on the show. <laughs> Damn, you found it out. You worked it out. <laughs> And so, so Seasons of the Ukulele, just for those who haven't listened to recent episodes, just, just say what that is. It's a weekly challenge through the Ukulele Underground forums. There's a theme and you submit a video of a song that matches the theme. And it needs to feature ukulele. It does, yes. And it, you're supposed to do it freshly. You're not supposed to get something that you prepared beautifully six months ago. It's something which, you know, you do at the time. And I've actually started doing it again the last month or so. It's one of the things I wanted to do. One of the reasons I said I'm stopping the podcast because I'm not playing enough. Um, and so, yeah, I have actually been putting one up there pretty much every week since then and planning to maybe maybe go go to two a week later on who knows um but yeah you did collaborations you've done done some with me and some with other people too so they're I guess people who you wouldn't have had the chance to play with they're on you know on the other side of the world yeah that's right something I found when we did our collaborations is you're actually pretty good at the video editing thing oh thank you yeah it's pretty fun I'm bad at it (laughs) (laughs) well I can do a basic video I don't have the patience I think to do something properly but yeah you did the one when we first went into COVID Mad World. Mad World, mm. that's right. Oh, that was a challenge. Yeah, so how many people were playing on that? Lots. <laughs> I think that's the official answer. Um, More than hang 10. Hang on, if you give me than... a minute, I can actually look it up and then, then I've got a sophisticated sounding answer. Um, no, it's not that one. It's this one. Okay. Let me count the squares on the video. One, two, three, four. There were about 12 people. That I had to pull together. People might be thinking she's crazy. Surely three times four is four. But it wasn't actually a nice, neat square pattern, was it? You actually got a little bit funky. Yes, because uh, I hadn't thought to specify which orientation to send the videos in. <laughs> <laughs> so some people sent portraits, some people sent landscape, and I had to find a creative way of uh, patching it all together. <laughs> and I think there were different aspect ratios as well, just for extra challenge. Yeah, but you did it, and it was fantastic. It really was. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was good fun. Of course, that will as always be on my YouTube playlist. It's still my most popular YouTube video <laughs> with over a thousand views. Wow, so that's pretty exciting. That's a lot. Yeah. That's excellent. And then hopefully more after this podcast. Yay! <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, I had some videos with some reasonable uh, watches because I did Hooping Idol. It was an international hula hooping competition. Oh. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, submitted some videos to that and, and got through a few rounds. So who knew? So many talents. Not just music, <laughs> but hooping as well. <laughs> and I can, I can hula hoop and play ukulele at the same time. I do have a video on how to do that, if anyone's interested. Yeah, yeah, we, we all want to see that. We absolutely <laughs> do. That's amazing. I don't think, it's like, it's even harder than playing and singing at the same time. Or for me, playing yes. and, and, and trying to do percussion at the same time. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> well, you've done it with a tambourine on the foot. You've done it. Only just. <laughs> it's pretty challenging. I think percussion's one of those really, uh, it looks easy, but it's really not because it is so precise and landing it just right, particularly something like a tambourine um, with its shimmery sounds. You've got to just get it in the right oh, spot. Right. Otherwise it sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> it does. Now, what I was going to ask you about, too, is is singing. So you said that when you were younger, you were purely an instrumentalist. You didn't sing. So, And, of course, you now do sing, as we, we have just heard, and you've been taking lessons as well. So did the singing start with ukulele? Yes, yeah. And I'm still very much learning so much on that front. Well, you never stop. It's true, yeah. Uh, but it's been really nice to take singing lessons as an adult because it's something I always wanted to do. I never really felt like I had the confidence for it. And that confidence has been useful across other areas of life as well. But it's really nice to be more comfortable with my voice and, and putting myself out there with my voice. Yeah, and you know, you've been improving in leaps and bounds. Oh, thank you. We had, um, for those who don't know, because Jazz is the one who sings the harmony on the ukulele is a new black theme tune. So you've all heard her in every episode, well, except for season one where I actually faked that and I did my own harmony. So, yeah, she can absolutely sing. Um, but I've heard you sing some leads recently, which I thought, oh, I didn't know she could do that. She's been hiding that from me. <laughs> or learning it in the meantime. I think or learning really it in nice. the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, particularly the gritty sounding stuff I, I find very challenging. The songs I've sung today, uh, they're, they're quite sweet, I suppose you'd say. But getting that kind of rock Rock edge on is, is a different matter entirely. It is. Still, still working on it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it is very different. Um, I've been working on that for the last few years, and I think, I think I'm pretty much there. But it is something when you're used to having a, a sweet, pretty voice, it's hard to sound tough. For something that's inside my own body, I'm surprised like all the time about thinking about it in different ways and, and accessing something different. I guess it's like... You know, if you're doing a different sport or something like that and you, you strengthen different muscles and learn new things and you go, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know I could do this or I didn't know that's how that part of my body works. Yeah. So it's really different from other instruments. So on something like piano, you can see your fingers moving faster or differently. And if you're working with a teacher, they can also see those mechanics and give advice on the mechanics. But for singing, it's just very different because you're there trying to imagine what's going on inside your own body and your teacher's trying to work out what's going on inside your body from only a limited amount of visual information. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it absolutely is. And the things I've learned about, yeah, about vocal cords and just that whole biology of, of everything that makes the sound come out of your mouth is, yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Who would have thought breathing would be so hard? <laughs> you know, in doing your whole life, surely you go how to breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And controlling the amount of airflow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, yeah, so as I said before, it would have been lovely for us to do a, a duet together, but because of Thank You um, Delta variant, we can't be in the same place at the moment. But I am going to slot in something we recorded earlier. Which one do we? Which one should we, should we put in, Jazz? What do you reckon? Ventura Highway, perhaps? 
that's one we did for seasons originally, wasn't it? It is. Yeah. Do you, I, I can probably dig out the files and say, do your mix with the vocal harmonies a little higher? No, no, no. That's what you learned last time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, sure. I'll use the original. That's yeah. fine. Oh, we yeah. did a good job of that one, I think. And the nice thing about that, it is on YouTube, so we can we can also link to, to seeing us both sing it. I think that's yeah. the one I, I recorded my half in a hotel room, I remember. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember putting in the twiddly bits. And I actually only listened to this video again quite recently during a new black rehearsal, and I was like, oh, okay, I could play those bits. <laughs> I don't know if I can anymore, but, you know. <laughs> so I think it's a nice one that shows off some of yeah. the finger-picking as well. And from memory, yeah, you mm. did all the ukulele on that. You did all – and oh. yes, you did. You did all the ukulele parts, and I just did the singing. So you did a good job. <laughs> oh, thanks. So when we're talking collaboration, it was three quarters you and one quarter me, but that's fine. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the In the air 
Should we talk about four strings too? Yeah, let's do that. We decided to do a duo and it took us a long time to come up with a name, didn't it? <laughs> it did. And it's a very flexible name that you came up with. Yeah. So we can um, add and remove extra strings depending on who's collaborating at the time. Yeah, that's right. We could have a four strings three or a three strings four or a <laughs> whatever we want to do. But we figured, yeah. It's very mathy. <laughs> that's right. But ukulele and cello both have four strings. So we're saying it's got four strings doesn't necessarily mean it has to be ukulele, which I think is really important because I think while ukulele is always going to feature somewhere, um, I think having other instruments with it, it just enhances it. It's so much better. Um, we did a few gigs. Well, not gigs. We did a few little um, performances around Canberra. Yeah, it turns out we will play for wine. Yes, um. we'll play for wine. <laughs> <laughs> The winery gig was lovely, actually. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Meredith's vocal key is a killer on cello. Yeah, I like to sing in A and um, you do not like to play in A. It could be worse. It could be, you know, F sharp major or something. I can work on that if you want. I'm sure I can sing (laughs) F sharp major. (laughs) You wouldn't even notice. (laughs) Although we have been talking about getting me a vocal capo. (laughs) Yes. Vocal capo is something we all need. So something which you did, was it a year or two ago, was you actually did some training with the James Hill Institute thing. Sorry, give me the correct name. The James Hill Ukulele Initiative, or JHUI. Initiative, that's it. I knew it was something started with I. And it was actually last year, although it might feel like, I don't know, seven years ago or three years ago. or very flexible at the moment. (laughs) Wibbly wobbly stuff, Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, going um, in, into a situation, a, lo- a lockdown kind of situation, taking on a new project like learning how to teach ukulele sounds ex- exactly like the right sort of thing to do, of right? Of course, especially when you have a, you know, a child at home to homeschool. <laughs> uh, well, the Jehui program was going online at that time anyway by coincidence, and I think it's something I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do because it did involve some amount of travelling. So it's really nice that... Uh, the program went online at that time. It was perfect timing for me. And um, it was a kind of strange time to be learning to teach ukulele as well because a lot of the teaching I ended up doing as part of the course was via Zoom, which was not exactly how I imagined teaching ukulele. But I think it's still been really valuable. And, and all the music lessons that have gone online, I'm so impressed and amazed by all the teachers being so agile and, and doing that, particularly the ones who hadn't done it before. Yeah. And I think you learned through that course, aside from obviously some from wonderful teaching techniques, um, you learned that you weren't a teacher or you didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I guess the theme of this podcast today is learning what you don't want to do <laughs> by doing a lot of things. <laughs> I really enjoyed helping coordinate the community group Lad in the Library, which is what triggered me to do this other course. And I think... If there is a situation where we can go back and do something like that, now I'll be better equipped, a lot better equipped to to wrangle a group. Yep. Um, but Loud in the Library closed March last year when many of the things started shutting down and it's been harder to get the group back together again under these conditions. It's something I'll consider again in the future. Yeah. But there's something I really love about being in a room with lots of other musicians creating something together and that's been a lot harder at the moment yeah 
Yeah, it certainly has. Um, yeah, so mm. hopefully we'll be able to get back together with the new black because until we do, I won't be able to release my end of year episode because I need us to get in a room and make the, 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 the soundtrack for that. And that's something I really do want to do in the same room. Well, I think it's time. How has ukulele changed your life? It's all the things we've talked about today, I think. It was getting me back into music after a really long break. And it's been really important to me getting back into music. It's about connecting with family, friends and the community in a really different way and a way that is really meaningful. And it's really changed my life for the better. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I don't think I could have finished this without having you make an appearance. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the penultimate interview episode of Ukulele is the New Black. The final episode will feature a long overdue chat with a very special guest. Don't miss it. Also, if you hang around until after the credits, you can hear that amazing collaboration of Mad World, which Jazz mentioned earlier. Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Janine Chandler, Jim Croft, Jasmine Fellows, Paul Marsh, Sandra Shaw and Chris Williams. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's episode, there are links in the show notes. You can also go to the Ukulele is the New Black YouTube channel for a playlist with songs relating to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and tell your friends. Episodes are released every second Monday, and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with the final interview episode in two weeks. Ukulele is the new black. Yeah, it's the new black. Everybody's playing it. Because it's the new black.
to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, 